Blog Talk Radio. When I would do good, evil is always present with me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? Thanks be to God and Christ Jesus. I'm ready for the fight of my life. Start the record. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, what a wonderful opportunity we have tonight. We have uh, (laughs) an exciting guest, somebody who's really, really excited. And, Brian, she's going to bless a lot of people. Not a lot, Brian, a ton of people. She's going to bless a lot of people And I'm just excited I think I'm a little bit more excited than she is, Brian That we have her on the show Well, Greg, let me ask this question Is a ton more than a lot? Or is it a lot more than a ton? (laughs) I believe believe so in her case I believe so Absolutely I believe it is You know, Greg, we've been starting off our show For the past couple of months the same way Talking about the, the plights in Haiti and the nation of Haiti, and we want people to not forget about those who are in need, not just in Haiti, but all over the world. But we've been highlighting Haiti because of the devastating earthquakes, not to mention the incredible amount of poverty over there. And so we want you to remember them in your prayers, remember them when you make your financial purchases. You know, set a little bit aside to give to someone in need. But absolutely great. We're going to have an awesome show tonight. We have an awesome woman that we're going to interview, and I tell you, you know, I I don't think you're the only one excited about this uh, interview, Greg. I, I'm ready. <laughs> well, Brian, I don't I don't know if you've uh, if you're paying attention to the switchboard. The switchboard is lit up already. Oh wow! I actually just switched <laughs> over to it, and you're absolutely right. The switchboard is lit up. So Facebook, I believe everybody on Facebook. I believe they're listening in tonight. But I, tell, I wanted to say this, Brian, before we went any further. I, I, I am just so blessed with having our guest on. And, and everybody that's listening right now, you will be blessed when you hear her. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for all of us. and We're all here to help, and uh, that's exactly what we're all going to do. So tonight, Brian, we're going to have a special, special show. And the topic tonight is Against All Odds. Against all odds. Yes. And, and then we have sure with can... us tonight, uh, and I want to introduce, I want to just talk a little bit about her. Our special guest tonight is best-selling author Laura Fuller. And her story talks about how she was born in this nation's capital, and she spent all of her years growing up in uh, Pittsburgh. And, you know, and I want her to tell the rest of this story because She's got a she's a published writer with numerous poetry pieces, but she she has something that not many people she's had the opportunity that not many people have uh, been afforded, and I want her to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so, please welcome to the show our special guest, Miss Laura Fuller. Miss Fuller, are you there? I don't know if you. Miss Fuller, on, are you on. there? Yeah, she's here. She's here. I'm here. Right, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, yes. 
And thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. We're doing good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I apologize. I think Greg show. was trying to buzz you in when I was trying to buzz you in. So we we've been so excited. We're both trying to get you in at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's what it is, Brian. But Brian, uh, so many people are listening right now, and a lot of people want to know. Uh, and Brian and I, Laura, we get asked this question all the time about writing and publishing, and that kind of thing. But how did you get into writing? What was the turning point that made you say, you know what, I'm going to put some poetry on some paper and publish it. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do this. What was the the thing that pushed you to write? Well, actually, my writing began, as I know it, um, in 2001 when I attended a one-night revival. I remember it was uh, at my home church. Carter's House Ministry, where I am truly blessed to be under Bishop Otis L. Carswell and Messenger Annette Carswell, an awesome man and woman of God. And I was, I was at the one-night revival, and she prophesied it to me that God had placed a writer in me. And so initially I began to think, what in the world am I going to write? And I talked about it with my mom, and she said, just ask God to manifest in you what he has already done. And almost immediately I began to receive inspiration after inspiration. And at first it was poetry, and I wrote, I wrote numerous poetry pieces, so much, so much poetry, and I found it to be good. I found that I was doing something that I had never done before. And I entered some of my poetry on the um, international Poetry Society website, poetry.com, and I was accepted um, for one of my poetry pieces. And um, they asked me to come to Washington, D.C., which is my hometown, by the way, and um, enter the, uh, the contest, the poetry contest. I went there, I recited my poetry, and I, was received, I received the Editor's Choice Award for Outstanding Achievement in Poetry. Wow, the first right. time, sounded, yeah, she was given favor the first time. There's a lot of people out there that write, and they probably would never get invited to something like that. Um, it's, you know, how, how does it feel being chosen by God and Him giving you this wonderful gift to write? I mean, how does that feel knowing that that He chose you out of all the people in the world? Um, not saying he didn't choose any other writers or authors or whatever, but he chose you strategically and specifically for what you're doing right now. How does that feel? I'm just in awe. I'm always in awe at how he uses me, how he continues to use me. I never thought that I would be doing this. Um, After the poetry, I began to, um, I wrote an R&B love song uh, that, um, I, I found a music producer for, after I wrote the song, I found a music producer uh, with the help of my nephew. And um, at the time, I was attending college for journalism. And there were two young ladies there that I met um, that were auditioning for a talent show uh, there at the college. And they sang so well, and I knew that I needed singers. So I, I hired them to perform the track. And... Again, I got the music producer. I got a demo made. I um, 
I had my copyright done on it and would continue divine favor by March of 2003, uh, I began sending out queries, first to MVK Entertainment, where Alicia's manager, Jeff Robinson, is the CEO, um, then to Jay Records. And Alicia was on top of my track, uh, my list, I'm sorry, to perform the track, followed by Monica, Tamia, Deborah Cox, and Fantasia. Um, Jay Records accepted my query and asked me to send the demo in, which I did. And after a wait, uh, I got a letter in the mail, a nice rejection letter, saying that they really liked the track and they saw my potential, but it really wasn't something that they were looking for at the time. So I, I was kind of thrown back by that because I didn't know what I should do with the song. I had received the revelation. I had did the things that I thought that I should do, you know, to um, be in alignment with what the gift was. And here I am with this song, and I had gotten rejected from Jay Records. And rejection, I know, being a writer, is the name of the game because you're going to probably most times, most writers, get rejected probably 90% of the time, the first time. And so um, I was fine with that, but I still wondered about it. Um, being an avid writer, I was in the library one day, and I stumbled across a book by Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis, Jr., uh, entitled, You Don't Have to Be a Star. I began flipping through the book, and when I came to the back of the book on the inside of the cover, it was the CD there. And immediately I thought the, the, the cover of the CD was the same as the cover of the book. And immediately I thought, this is it. This is where my novel should go. I hadn't got the revelation for the novel yet, but I knew that I should do something with that song, and I knew that I had to put it with something else. So um, later on, I, got the, I was waking up at about 1 a.m. in the morning, uh, one January morning, with the hook to a novel that I later named Against All Odds. And um, the information that I was given for the novel goes together with the information, with the track, with the song that I was inspired with, which is entitled Mesmerizing. And they went together so well that I knew immediately that that song was for that book. Mm. Wow. You know, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been in the music business. Um, I actually was in it for probably about a better part of eight years. And I can tell you that nobody ever gets that uh, a response that quick. Whether it's a yes or no, up or down, they yeah. never get a response that quick. <laughs> and so yeah. whoever you talk to, boy, they 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 <laughs> they afforded you some real favor. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And but so. you know, more importantly, the the uh -huh. thing that 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 intrigued me the most about this is that you said that all this came from God. It came from him revealing it to you. Absolutely. No. It was done it was none of my doing. It was it was straight revelation. I couldn't have done this on my own. And even looking back, um, oftentimes writers know that 
when you are inspired with something, be it a thought, uh, whatever it is, a word, whatever it is, you have to write that down immediately or you'll lose it. And um, I was awakened that morning with the entire hook that would go on the back of the book that would cause a potential buyer to pick it up and purchase it. And so I, I got up immediately and wrote that thing down because had I not done that, then I wouldn't have all of the material that I have for this today. I wouldn't have had anything to go on um, as far as the vehicle for what I should write. And um, and I have the hook here. Would you like me to Sure, sure, sure. This is what I was awakened with. FedEx customer service agent Shelby Johnson fell head over heels in love with smooth R&B balladeer Christopher Lewis. And three years later, her heart is still skipping a beat. Her family and friends think she'll never get her hands on the likes of him. But Shelby's belief in a higher power allows her to know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and nothing's impossible. Although Chris's romantic lyrics give him the power to express melodies that would tame a tiger, he's singing from a past hurt and a love lost. After losing the only woman he's ever loved, Chris vows never to travel down love's highway again. And while his family is very supportive, he realizes he needs a mother figure in his 10-year-old daughter Taylor's life. But in the business of celebrity status, how can one be sure if they're loved for who they are or what they've got? So that, that's the hope that I was awakened to um, that morning seven years ago. I hate to admit mm. that because it's been so long, but it is what it is. I was writing and I was writing and I was getting inspiration and inspiration, and then all of a sudden it just stopped. I would sit at my computer and nothing would come, nothing at all. And I have to admit, I, I put it down for um, a few years, and um, and then I picked it back up because I knew that this was bigger than me. This was something that was, it wasn't of me. I mean, I was the vehicle, the vessel that God is using, but it was not me. So I had to pick it back up. I couldn't let the gift that he gave me just falter, just go away. So I had to pick it back up, and here I am, <laughs> 86,000 words later, seven years and 86,000 <laughs> words later, and I plan to be done with this by the end of this year. Thank you. You know what? I, I, you said something that was so important. And to all the callers on the line, please hold on. We're going to get to you. We know you want to talk with Laura. We, we, we're definitely going to open the lines up. But I think right now, Laura, what you're doing is teaching, and uh, and I'm getting messages from Facebook. People are asking questions, and I I think it's real important that people understand uh, Mm -hmm. the point that you made when you said that you didn't do anything on your own. It wasn't your doing, and you're not trying to take his glory for something that you know you didn't do because we have so many people that are selfish and they have these big egos, and they're trying to do this stuff, and they say I, I, I all the time, and you, and you haven't done that. Uh, how important is it to pray and listen? How important is that? Oh my, it, it's it's a, it's 
it's extremely important because you just you have to be able to hear. If and and for for the, a long time, I I I wasn't able to do that. But you have to be able to listen. You have to you pray and you 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 wait for an answer. You have to be able to hear him, um, so that you you have something to go on. Um, and and now when I sit down, when I focus, when I write. I, I pray before I sit down to write. There's a certain time that I write. A lot of writers will tell you they have certain times where they write. Um, mine is the wee hours of the morning. When I get up in the morning before I prepare to go to work, I get up extra early and um, I start writing. I write before the wee hours of the morning when everything is quiet. And um, that's a good time for me. But I can hear better, I believe, at that time. I'm inspired more. You know, I, I'm I'm sort of stuck on what Greg said about people um, taking the credit for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, and, and you know, I I listen to people and they always talk about. Well, I won't say all of them do, but there's a, there's a large majority that talk about what they did or how they did it or how they made it, and it's just so refreshing to hear somebody say. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know. Nothing at all. I am totally the vessel that he's using. This this is it's not of my doing. I'm amazed how he's using me. Um when he could use when he could have used anyone and I know uh, absolutely um that he uses a multitude, no doubt. But I'm just amazed that he chose me. <laughs> And so um, I continue to write as I continue to, to get led, to get the inspiration. But faith without work is dead being alone, and you have to you have to apply yourself. You can't, you know, just sit around thinking something's going to fall out of the sky and hit you on the head because you say you believe. You have to actually you have to put work into it. You have to do something about the very thing you're believing God for, or just going to be hoping and wishing. You know, I heard something that someone said before, and it it just, I think it's just so appropriate right now. They said that faith without works is dead, and work without faith is dead. (laughs) Yeah. You can't have one without the other, huh? You know, they sort of of go hand in hand. You know, and, well, I want to ask you this question also. You know, when you began to write, and and you finally found, you finally had your first uh, piece of literary work completed, and you read it, and or someone read it, and you know, or you sold that piece. What was that feeling like to be to to complete a literary work? I I just remember being overwhelmed. Um, when I re- when I first recited my poetry at the uh, international um, the poetry convention, um, I was I was just overwhelmed. I absolutely, as I've said before, I knew that uh, of course this was God. This wasn't me, but He was using me, and so I was the one that was up there, you know, reciting this and doing this, and it was it was wonderfully overwhelming. It was just. I was just amazed. I'm so grateful. 
Laura, everybody that's listening right now, they're hearing the finished product or the the part that before it goes to print. They're looking at the glory and the glitz and the glamour of of your life, and they're seeing the the beautiful fruit that's being uh, you know that's growing all around you. But they don't know the pain and the suffering that you went through to get you to this point. And a lot of people are, are suffering. A lot of people are in the midst, the, uh, in the down deep down in the valley, and they can't see their way out, and and they just feel like where they are that they're stuck. And I know before you got to this point with your eighty-six thousand words that you have for your book right now, in between that first page and, and this page of where you are right now. I know that there were some obstacles, there were some roadblocks, there, there were a lot of tough things in there. But what was it that that made you or gave you the desire to continue to write and fight through all of that? Well, I have to think about, I don't know, what kind of condemnation would it be for me to look back over my life and see how the way was made, basically, and because I didn't have the mindset to do what God had gifted me to do, I lost everything. So I had to, I had to stick to it. I had, and it's, and it's great. I love doing it. Um, so it's, it's not like um, it's something I don't want to do. Um, I don't think that God would gift us with things that we didn't even like or desire or want to do. Um, I when I just I just believe that once you are aware um, of a gift that you have of anything that you have, you should you should stick it out. You should stick to it. Yes, it's going to get tough at times, but and you can you can step back from it from a mo- for a moment. You can take a look at it from another angle, but you have to stick with it. You can't give up. You can't give up. And give up. And um, I put it down for a while, as I said before. But I, I had the worst case, if you can call it that, of writer's block ever known to man. I mean, I I put it down for a while. And um, I was talking with my family and friends, and everybody said, you know what, just you know, step away from it, maybe write something else for a little while, and then go back to it. And I was doing that. I would go away from it, and then go back to it, and I still couldn't do anything with it. I was just staring at the screen, and when I was writing, I was writing things that were no good, and I knew when I was writing it that it wasn't good, and so I, I was away from it for a while, but then I knew that I had to pick this thing back up, and and I did, and I, I, when I put it down again, I'll be done with it. Good. Awesome. You know, it's it's something you said there. You said you were writing things that you knew were no good. You know, and and I'm I'm and I guess the reason I'm asking this question is because somebody out there is probably doing the same thing. But yes. how self-defeating was that for you to know that you were writing stuff that you couldn't use that was no good, that was pretty much worthless, but you were doing it to try to jumpstart yourself in the writing. Yeah. I um 
as I was writing, the things that I was trying to incorporate into my novel to move my novel forward to um, give my characters life, um, at that point, at that time, it just it wasn't working. Everything that I wrote, it didn't fit. It, when I read back over it, I would leave it for a while, and then when I read back over it, it wasn't any good. Um, oftentimes, a lot, I'll read over my writing, and it is it's really good. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I wrote that. But then there's um, times when I read back over, and I'm like, I have to cut this um, because it's just not good. And um, and so you get there. I know a lot of writers get there. And um, when, if you choose not to totally delete your writing, you can put it into another document. You can put it in a deleted, um, a deleted uh, Word document or something like that. You don't have to totally erase it. There may be something in there that you could use later, but if you see that your novel is not moving forward as I did at the time, then you have to get rid of it. You have to get to a point where you can get rid of it because being a first-time writer of a novel, there was a time when I could not erase anything. And um, I had to get to a point, I have grown a lot in my writing, and I had to get to a point where I could see that I needed to get rid of it and I could get rid of it. Um, it cleans up your work, it moves it along faster, and and the reader enjoys it better. If the reader feels like they're being slowed down or they're dragged along, then um, they'll put the book down. You want the reader to continue to turn the page. Good. Let me ask you this. How many times, and I know at some point we we all get impatient. We, we feel that, okay, um, this is my dream, I'm working on it, I'm, I'm close. I have 86,000 words. How many times did you uh, become impatient and just say, you know what, Lord, I, I want to get this done. I, I don't want to wait another week or because I'm not hearing from you every time I'll pick up my pen or get on my keyboard and I want to type. How, how many times, how often did that happen for you? I, I know it had to be frustrating when you, you know, you were having the writer's block and things weren't going as planned as the way that you wanted them to go. But, I mean, did you ever become angry with the Lord it, when he, you know, he wasn't there every day as far as giving you the words? But he was there. We all know that. But as far as him giving you the message to write. I, I honestly really can't say that I became angry with the Lord, but there were times when I just didn't understand why, if he had given me this gift to write, why I couldn't uh, finish it, why nothing would come. And I don't know. I, it's all about timing, I guess, and, um, and applying yourself, too. Um, and um, I just I think the more you apply yourself to anything, um, especially in writing, um, the more, um, or maybe the faster, you'll, you'll uh, complete that thing. Um, maybe the more inspiration you'll get. Um, it's, it's kind of twofold because I, at the same time I was applying myself. I, I'm still applying myself. And um, 
I don't know. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I've got this thing, and I'm going to finish it up. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I the reason I say that because there's so many people out there that are listening to the show and they're on Facebook and just 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 doing their thing. And I, I, I want to pull everybody into what you're doing. It may not be what they're doing. They may not be writing a book. But people are anxious. People are ready to live their dreams. They're ready to make things happen. They're, you know, sometimes they get impatient. And, and I think what it all boils down to is if you don't have that ear to listen and you try to do things on your own, you'll mess up. You'll mess the whole thing up. And I think that's the, the yeah, and I think the key is we think that we're running out of time when we need to be patient. Right. His his time, his will, not ours. And that's um that's um something that um one of the chapters that I had chose to read uh from uh one of the Shelby is my main protagonist and she is attending her girlfriend, her best friend's uh, church for a single summit. And Shelby, um, my book is about a woman who fell in love with a man 36 months ago. And to date, she's still captivated by his memory. She's, um, she's in awe of this man. Um, the way they met and how they interacted, she is sure that this is the man for her. And um, her friends and family, uh, nobody believes her. It's her It's her belief. It's, it's what she is going on, and she's not going to allow herself to be wavered in any way unless God shows her otherwise. But her girlfriend, um, she said the same thing to her. She said, his way, Shelby, not ours, because uh, Shelby has to be constantly reminded yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> I think I think we all do. We all get impatient, and I know Brian can attest to this, and and everybody else is out there listening too. That sometimes we just get so impatient, and we just and and you know I I think we watch other people around us. We try to judge our lives around what other people are doing. We see them getting blessed, and we're like, wait a minute now, I've been at this forever. This person now, how in the world are they getting blessed before me? And that's not even the the key. The, the the key to it is he blessed you with your own special gifts and talents. Exactly. And we just have to trust and believe in him. And, Brian, I know you've gone through that before. I, or if you haven't, I know you know someone that has. I've never gone through that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You know, I say that in jest, of course. Yeah, I think everybody's experienced that one time or another, you know, and it's just a, it's natural. Yeah. I think it's just natural to to have to experience that. I mean, I always say that experience is the best teacher. It's experience is the best teacher. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some things that we should not learn. From experience. That's for all my young listeners, all of our young uh, Abundant Solutions Hour listeners out there. Some things you can't learn from experience. You should not learn from experience because yeah. while it is the best teacher, 
it is also the hardest teacher. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, well, I was going to say, my, my my question for you is, what do you do for um, younger uh, people who want to get involved in the in the business of writing? Do you do workshops and stuff like that? Or do you reach out to those younger writers, those younger authors that may want to get involved and they just don't know how? I haven't done anything like that. I I haven't. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I always, um, I always say, and I was, I learned this when I was young, that there is no success without a successor. And so as we become more successful in our endeavors, what we have to remember is that there are some people that are looking at us and looking toward us to uh, find the way, so to speak. You know, and that's in how we live, how we dress, how we look, how we feel, how we act. And so there are many young people out there that you may not know that are looking for at you and looking and and wanting you to become successful so that they can emulate you, they can follow you. Yeah. Well, wow. You know, and so my advice to you, I'm sure Greg will agree, would be to become more successful at what you do. Yeah. Teach someone else how to do it. Exactly. Because in teaching them they teach you. Right. That's so true. Well, she she's on her way. And uh, <laughs> to all of our listeners, if you just joined us, we're talking with best-selling author uh, Laura Fuller. Laura, the lines are lit up. We can't hold them back. <laughs> and, and and I hope you're, to those that are out there that, that want to talk, just, just let us know. You can just press, press 1 on your keypad, and we'll be able to uh, see the hands, and we'll you'll, it'll drop you in the queue, and we'll just be able to go to you. So Brian, if you want, you can you can go to one of the callers. All right, let's see, let's see. I see a lot of them are from the four one two area code, so we may have to. <laughs> let's, Brian, let's <laughs> you know how nine... we're gonna go to the four one two area code first. Let's, <laughs> let's go to the nine five four. Go to the nine five four. I think that's that right. person. Yeah, let's person try the nine five. Nine five four. You're on live with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hello. All right, they're just listening. They're like, don't call on me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, how about, let's use this 412 area code. Caller, you're on live. Hello, caller. 412-885. I'm sorry, 412-865. Caller, you're on live. I hear them moving around, but they're not talking. (laughs) Well, they probably don't have a, they probably don't have a question, but, but Laura, you know, it's interesting that, that Brian brought it up about the seminars and the workshops. And everybody wants to know how to do it. A lot of people, um, they may not come to you because they're embarrassed because they feel like, I don't know. That's that's the, that's the wrong attitude to have. If you don't know, don't be embarrassed. Right. Ask if you don't know. Because that's I'm sure, Lord, yeah, I'm sure, Lord, you had to ask someone to get to where you are now. Uh, yes, um, Kendra Norman Bailamy. She is 
um, in essence, bestseller. Um, she, she's my friend. Uh, we have been, we've known each other for about four or five years now, and she has um, what's called the Writer's Cocoon, and um, she has a website um, to help aspiring writers. And um, I ask her questions almost daily <laughs> um, because, I mean, that's the only way you're going to get an answer. Um, if you don't know, you just don't know. Um, but you, you have to ask. That's right. And, it, and in today's time, we have so many people that are writing. So many people are, you know, they're writing, they're turning them into plays. Is that something that at some point you want to cross over to or just test the waters with? Oh, my goodness, I would love that. They're turning them into movies also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, they are. And with the favor that you've had so far, I, mean, I would, I would start can, submitting yeah. them for movies right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, with the favor that you've had, and, and you, you're up to this 86,000 words already in this book. I know scaling yeah. that book down, if you have to scale it down, I don't know. But to scale that down, I know that has to be nerve-wracking. It does, and um, even as Kendra has told me, um, even some of my friends tell me I'm too wordy um, sometimes, so I have to always go back and delete some things, even little words, and it'll still make sense, but sometimes it's it's all about editing and just cleaning it up. Um, you have to take some things out, and that 86,000 words, and I'm, I'm not done yet. That's, that's a lot of words. One of my chapters is... Um, and I know all the writers and authors out there are probably going to cringe at this, but one of my chapters is 20 pages long. And the only reason that particular chapter is 20 pages is because that's the initial chapter where Christopher Lewis, my um, second uh, main protagonist, and Shelby Johnson meet. And I made that as lengthy as I did because I wanted the reader to understand why this woman is still infatuated, if you will, with this man after three young, long years of no communication. And likewise, why he's still thinking of her after, after all this time. So I, that's why that, that particular chapter is that long. But you really don't always want to have your chapters that long. You want to keep them probably as small as possible because it gives the reader the sense of feeling like they're actually getting through the book. But this chapter, it's, um, it's very intriguing, so they won't, probably won't pay attention to the length of the chapter. You know, it's oh. funny because I've never actually paid attention to the length of a chapter in a book. Oh. Well, <laughs> I, I take that back. When I, was, when I had to write a book report now... <laughs> I paid attention to how long the book was. You know, we tend to, to grab the shortest books when there's a book report. But, you know, when I was actually reading a book, and I'm an avid reader, I read a lot, and I, I never really paid attention to how large or how small a chapter in a book was. You know, and, and I think many readers would say the same thing. You know, that as long as the, the, the content is good, I mean, sometimes you don't want the chapter to end. That's because true. it is a good chapter, you know. It is yeah. something that you know that has caught your attention, and you're deep into it. That's you know, true. So I, 
Yeah, sometimes we'll get to the back of the book and and you're 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 mad that it's over. So yeah. that is that's true. You know. Now let me ask you. This isn't going to be your last book, of course. Well, I'm sure of that. You know, but are you prepared for the response, whether it be good or bad? Are you prepared for the response that your book will have? I am. I'm prepared, whether it's good or bad. I'm prepared. I, I really am. You know, I, I and, and the reason I... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I, I truly believe um, the readers are going to like the book. Um Yes, I'm prepared. You know, and, and I'll tell you why. I, why I ask that question? Many a times, um, like I'm, a, I'm an industry guy from, you know, long time ago. I was in the music industry, and you have these wonderful expectations of, you know, what your material is going to do. Your record's going to go platinum. Your book is going to become an absolute number one top bestseller. It's going to sell more books than the Bible. You know, you have those expectations. And when they aren't met, you know, for many authors, you know, they they seek other things. They say, well, if this didn't work, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what I encourage people that are authors, um, especially first-time authors, folks that are, have never written a book before, um, and this is their first time, don't expect anything except for success. And that success is determined by you, not by the book itself. Right. You know. You know. I would say that that whether it sold whether it sold a million copies or a hundred copies, that the success is in that you completed it, not in that you sold it. That's right. That is so true. That's absolutely correct. That's right. And also, too, Laura, it, 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 a lot of the success is you're helping somebody along the way. And I was just chatting with someone on Facebook, and they were saying that they were listening to the interview, and I was just telling them how you were teaching, you were giving advice, and you were telling them a lot of the things that, you know, that you, I guess the mistakes that you made, and, you, and the fact that you're listening to someone else, you have someone like a Kendra who's been in the business forever. She knows what she's doing. And I think that we all need mentors. Yeah. And it sounds like you have that. You have someone that you can look up to, that you can go to, and you're not afraid or embarrassed to say, I don't know. I, I want to learn how to do this. And how many dreams are lost and just left in people? They take them into the grave because they're ashamed and embarrassed to ask a simple question. And in that question, it may be their breakthrough. Absolutely. In that, I think it it just depends on the individual. If you don't know something, you, you have to ask. And if you... Because if you don't ask, then you're just going to be stuck in the same rut unless you seek um, the answer elsewhere. But you have to put yourself in a place um, 
like I did with Kendra, I began um, reading her novels. I found that she had this writer's cocoon for writers. She she does a lot of awesome things. Um, I think this is her 13th or 14th uh, book that she's just written. She she helps writers along the way. Whatever questions you have, she's there to, to answer whatever you have. And she has this workshop that you can attend. And um, she lives in Atlanta, though, Stone Mountain, I believe. And she, um, so most of her workshops are there, though. But um, she's online, and um, you can you can ask. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Laura. What type of supporting cast do you have? And when I say supporting cast, I'm asking about your family, your church members, the employees at your where you work or whatever. Uh, do you have a strong uh, foundation, a strong base, the support that you really need? Do you have that? I would, I would just say, um, as far as my family um, being concerned about uh, where I am with the book, um, I, I have that from them. I have the help that I need from a professional as far as Kendra. I even I talk to other writers, too, uh, Rashonda Tate Billingsley. Um, I have friends that know that I write. And um, and I have a good circle of, of support. So I, I think that I'm blessed that from that. Yeah, and I was just, you know, and I know why Greg is asking that question because it is so important to have someone in your corner, you know, whether it be the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Greg, uh, you know, just like we were saying earlier with, you know, being successful is not, you know, determined by whether you sell a lot of books or don't sell any books. It's determined by, you know, the fact that you've completed. And having someone in your corner is probably the central most important thing that will aid you in becoming successful. You know, it's it's almost like people that call themselves self-made millionaires. That's the biggest fallacy that has ever been told because there are no self-made millionaires. You know, they just aren't because they have to have somebody that they look to, listen to, you know, followed, modeled after along that way. And it's so important to have those supporting cast members. That's right. It is. Um, it is. Go ahead, Laura. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just uh, speaking with my mom, like, last week about just completing this, just getting it done already. And um, that's where I want to get. I'm not thinking about what it would bring. Of course, that would be wonderful. But I just want to completed. I want to finish it. I want to say that I completed this. You know, this is a gift that I've been given, and I didn't just sit on it. I didn't just uh, let it fall by the wayside. I didn't just let it go to waste. I didn't act as if um, I wasn't given this divine opportunity. So I, I, I just want to complete it. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you will. will. The, the, yes, you will. And like I said earlier, you have a lot of people that are watching you. Now that you now that it's out there and people know that this book is coming, they're going to expect that book. Yeah. People are going to be look, they're going to look for that. 
And believe it or not, you're helping a lot of people right now because a lot of people want to finish whatever it is that they're doing. But a lot of times, you know, we put things down and we don't pick them right back up like you did. You picked it up. So basically what you're saying to everybody else that's listening tonight, it doesn't matter if they're writing a book, starting their own business, whatever it is, if you thought about doing it, if you, and if it's if it's waking you up like it was waking Laura up, then it's probably meant for you to act on it. You have to put this stuff in writing. You have to put it in writing. That's when things start happening. That's the first step. So if you don't right, know I've how to get that, started, I heard that term, yeah. Greg. Write the vision and make it plain. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Brian, I, let's go a step further. When Jesus was in the the, the uh, wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights. Every time he was tempted, what did he say? It, it is written. For it is written. So that tells you right there how powerful and how important it is for you to, to write. put these things in writing. You have to write. Whether if you're a good writer or a bad writer, just write and trust that he's going to give you what you need. You can always have somebody else go behind it and edit and do whatever. But Amen. just get started. Just do something. Don't sit still. Do something. Just, just do, do something. Yeah, yeah I can tell you, Greg, Greg, you're right on point. And it's something else you just said that it's very important. Always have someone else proofread it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've, I've written, you know, I've written st- uh, some music in the past. I, I was used to be in the music industry and I was a songwriter. I probably got over 100 songs written. And when I went back and just went through those songs, I noticed that there were so many misspellings, and this was stuff that I typed. And I was like, how did I misspell that word? I know that word. But it was because in the heat of the moment when you're sitting there typing out, you know, you're cranking out a song, you know, you never look back to see if you misspelled the word because, you know, you felt the word. You know, yeah. you, 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 you were singing it and you wrote it, you know, and at least that's how I am. I When I get inspiration to write music, I just write it down. It could be on anything. You know, I, I tell the story about how we were actually driving to Orlando to go to uh, Jack the Rapper uh, convention. It's a big music convention, and it was the first time they've ever had it in Orlando. And we were driving down, and while we were driving down, I was writing a song. And I was driving. <laughs> and my friends were like, what are you doing? I was like, hold on, I got one more song to write. And I literally wrote four songs on the way to Orlando, and it was a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour trip. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I wrote four songs, you know, and it was because I just had that inspiration. You had that inspiration. When you get that inspiration, you have to jot it down wherever you are. Actually, that's how... It happened for me when I was writing the song that I wrote. I didn't get the entire song, but I got the, the meat of it. I got most of it, and I had to work with it after that, of course. But it happened for me like that, too. I was driving. But you have to jot it down wherever you are, or you'll, you'll lose it. Now, of course, I was given a uh, mini tape recorder after I told that story to my mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... It's just that that that's how inspiration hits you, and when when the inspiration hits you, it hits you at that time for a reason. You have to act upon it. You know, you know and, and that's for that's for our many 
aspiring authors and musicians and what have you, when when you get that inspiration, don't let anyone hinder you. Yes. I was going to say, too, I, I want to add to that, Laura, we think a lot of times when we have these dreams and we have these things, desires that we want to do certain things, for some reason, I don't know why we think that we have forever to do it. Yeah. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. I guarantee you when you were going to work this morning, you heard sirens. I guarantee you. If you didn't, tomorrow on your way to work, roll your window down. I guarantee you're going to hear sirens. That's probably somebody in the back of, a, of that ambulance probably uh, fighting for their life. Right. And I guarantee you they didn't wake up, well, I'm going to fight for my life in the morning. I'm, not, I'm going to die in the morning. You just don't know. You have to, you have to seize the moment. Yes. You have to seize the moment now. You can't wait. Just do it. It's okay. It's okay to stumble. Because you learn a lot in your stumbling, why you're stumbling. You learn what not to do. So I, I just I know a lot of people listening and my concern is with people that that have these great gifts and that we were all created for greatness. And it's so important that we know that. And we it's so important that we know who we are. And that every morning that you wake up it's something that you're a gift to the world. It's something that you have in you that the world needs. So uh, for those that are listening, and Laura, you're doing it. Brian, you're doing it. I'm trying my best to do it. And it's not so much about the reward that you're going to get for doing it. It's The reward is just doing it. You're getting blessed just to be able to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so important, Laura, that, that you're coming on, you're being transparent, you're telling us, what you're doing, how you're doing it. And a lot of people, successful people, they won't tell you how they're doing it. They won't tell you that. And the fact that you're reaching out, that's that's just, I, I love that. I love the fact that you're doing that. But let me ask you this. Yeah. When this book is out, mm-hmm. when you see this book in New York, <laughs> what what in the world is Laura going to do? When I see the book on bookshelves, when I'm at my book signing, I I just I can't imagine the joy that I'm going to feel when I write my last word in this novel. Um, when I send it into the publishers, I'm just going to be thanking God even more so um, than well, I'm doing lately. Let me ask you this: Can you can you feel it now that you were just talking? About, can you feel that joy when you were just explaining that? Could you feel it? I can feel it. I, it's there, but when it actually, when it, when I'm done, it's going to be even more so. I know it's coming. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm getting to the end of this. I know it's coming, but when I'm actually there, it's, it's going to be on a whole different level. <laughs> awesome. And everybody, yeah. they, they, you know, Brian. So everybody that's listening right now, they they're hearing this in advance. And I was talking with Laura just last night about a lot of the authors that that's on Oprah shows, that are on the big talk shows or whatever, they're done. Their book is out there. It's out there. It's after the fact. We're we're interviewing Laura before her book is done, believing that it's going to be a bestseller. We're believing that it's all of that. So we don't have to wait. 
for man's approval based on book sales. We're agreeing with her right now. So to those that are listening, pay close attention and follow, Laura. The book is coming out. It's already a bestseller before it hits the shelf. So get ready. Keep saving some money. Get some money set aside and buy the book. Absolutely. Amen. Yes. But, Laura, how can people get in contact with you um, we talked about speaking engagements, workshops, seminars. Uh, are yes. you open for those things? Absolutely. Um, I'm on Facebook, and um, my email address is a writer of sorts because I I write several different in several different genres. Um, that's a w r i t e r o f s as in Sam o r t s at yahoo.com. And again, I'm on Facebook. A writer of sorts. A writer of sorts. Brian, I, I want to say this. Brian, I want to say this real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with Laura. When I put the, when I put the show up on Blog Talk and I put the picture, oh my goodness. <laughs> I knew he was going to tell you. Oh. I knew he was going to tell you. I got what? so many emails from men. Is she married? I wanted to listen. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, I'm trying my best not to embarrass you, Laura. This is a compliment. It's a compliment. Please take it back. I was getting emails from everybody, and I was like, you know what? Buy buy her book. Just buy her book. Just listen to the show and buy her book. That that's how you can bless her. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, but go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I, just, I had to. I had to throw that out there. I knew you would. I said, I know he's going to tell her. Oh boy. <laughs> I had to. But Laura, uh, we're winding down to the last few minutes of the show, and again, we want to thank you for joining us. You know, I, I tell you, I, I had a wonderful time. I learned some stuff that, you know, I'll go and definitely use in in my day to day living and my line of work and things that I want to achieve and be successful in and I can thank you for it. Yeah. Oh, I thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. I thank you. Well let me ask you real quick, I want you to to, to bless one. If someone's out there that's going through some tough times and they need to hear a word, I mean what can you tell them to that will keep them going? We have about a minute left. What would you say to them to make them continue fighting through their issues? I would just just pray about whatever it is. Talk to God about whatever it is that is going on in your life. Whatever you're experiencing, he's got the answer. He's got the answer. People think that they they have to come to him in some certain kind of manner. Just talk to him like you talk to anybody, and he will answer you. He will hear you, absolutely, and he will answer you. I think whatever you have bothering you, troubling troubling you, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, just go to him, and you will get an answer. And it will be the right answer, of course. Yes. Absolutely. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we ask that you please join us next week as we'll have another wonderful and exciting show for you all. Good evening. God bless you all. And until next week, good night.
And when I 